You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. With that, we're going to get into God's Word, but can just for my sake, can we just pause for a second before we read God's Word? Let's pray. God, uh, I every time uh, I, I approach teaching your Word with a kind of a... Uh, uh, an appropriate sense of fear, maybe gravity, but as well as like a desire. And so, God, I enter into talking about this this passage and what Jesus is inviting all of us into uh, with some with some reverence, because I know we are at a time in which I'm included in this. That we're all, like I said it last week, in our hearts, we're still living in our PJs and unshaven. And so it's, it's hard to talk about, and yet the mission field is still, the fields are ripe. And so what do we do with that? And so God, I just ask this morning as we hear from Jesus that you would use me to communicate your word. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, hey, Devin, can we bring, yep, yeah, perfect, bring up the house lights, you are on it. And let's read Matthew chapter 9 and starting in verse 35. Here's what we read from God's word. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, just so we all are clear, the best disciple of all. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is God's word. In my life, when Jesus brings to my attention things that he thinks that I can do something about and starts to make it clear that maybe he's asking me to do something about it, the general lean of my heart is to kind of say to Jesus, could someone else do it? Maybe somebody else. I like the idea, but maybe not me. Um, This struggle, it goes way back for me. Now, some of you who've known me for a long time, you know a little bit of this story, but others of you may not know this at all. But during my late teens and in my early 20s, 
different experiences in life. You know how God, God can kind of do this? He'll use different kinds of experiences. Like, well, that experience, it was not connected to that experience, but there's this common thread of like trying to get my attention about something. So different experiences, random comments that all kinds of different people would make to me, um, as well as like different sermons that I was hearing in different contexts at camps and at church and all these kinds of things just felt like Jesus kept was poking and prodding me to kind of like get my attention, like maybe you should do ministry with your life. And the answer that I had was not interested. No, I am not the type. I, For instance, I was not the type because I couldn't, I couldn't quote like chapter and verse for all the verses in the Bible. You know, like people seemed like as a pastor, you'd always have to quote chapter and verse. Well, this comes from Hebrews 10, 5 through 6. And I was like, I don't, I don't do that very well. In fact, even to this day, I really don't do that all that well. Um, I didn't have super concise answers to every tough question about theology and God and challenging questions to God. In fact, even to this day, I still don't really have always the best answers. In fact, often I have to say, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me do some research. Uh, And for sure, I would not and I would never wear a suit to work. And I know for you, you're like going, well, why was, why is that a thing? I'm telling you the truth. I mean, I'm at this age now that when I was a kid growing up, pastors wore suits to work. And I was like, I am not doing that. So I was not the type. And yet I was just trying to, I was trying to avoid Jesus because he was like poking and prodding me into this mission for my life. But one morning I was having what we Christians sometimes call a quiet time. It was a time to like read the Bible. I'm I'm warning you now, you can never be too careful when you're reading the Bible. I was reading Exodus chapter three, which if you have some, it's the moment when hilarious old Moses is having an encounter with God at the, at the burning bush, Exodus chapter three, burning bush encounter. And Moses was doing his hilarious best coming up with the same stall tactics and the same evasive maneuvers that I was pulling on God up to that moment in my life. He, God was saying to Moses essentially kind of the same stuff. The spirit of it, God saying to Moses, I'm sending you to people who are crying out to me. God was kind of saying that to me. And he's like, and I'm, I'm entrusting you. And I was like getting that sense that God was entrusting me. And I, 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 I'm going to send you. And But Moses started saying the same things I was saying. Moses said this, well, who am I? There's got to be somebody more equipped and qualified for this. And then he said another thing I'd be saying. He said, well, suppose I did go. Let's just imagine, God, that I actually did what you're asking me to do. But then I get there. Nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody's going to respond to me. Nobody's going to work with me. And then Moses concluded with what I had been concluding, which was, and we'll put it up here on the screen. Basically, he just says, just please send somebody else. I mean, it's in the Bible. That's exactly what Moses said. Just please send somebody else. That's my final argument to you, God. Don't ask me to do this. And, and I'm going, there's just something in my heart back then. And even though I did go on to following Jesus' call into ministry, because here I am. But even though I did, each time Jesus deepens or widens the call to service in each new season of life, which by the way, that will continue for the rest of my life, just like yours. Each new season where he deepens and widens finds me in a new place of stalling or evading or asking Jesus, please just, could you send somebody else? 
Look, here's the thing. We all have good reasons for thinking we aren't, we shouldn't, we can't, or we won't. It's not that we don't want God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, because we do want that. I'm I'm sure I'm looking at everybody here. This is what we want in this world that's so broken. It's just that when Jesus asks us to in some way practically, that would require some time and talent, treasures, to practically participate in the renewing of the world. When he asks us to do that, well, it's a lot to process. And it becomes really easy to think, for one, well, we aren't. Honestly thinking, well, we aren't enough. We, we're lacking something in our development. We're lacking in our maturity, whatever it is, so that if Jesus is looking at us as clearly as we're looking at us, that he should give us more time. We just need more time. We need more theology. Good thing my church is providing more theology through Dr. Adam Nye. Uh, we need more experience before he sends us out. We aren't. Or it's easy to think we shouldn't. Thinking we're too flawed, we're too much in the way of damaged goods, so that the smartest thing that God could do, if we're even on the bench, is to leave us on the bench. Don't put us out there for any minutes on the basketball floor. Or we say, if we're not saying we aren't or we shouldn't, we say, well, we can't. Honestly thinking, we're just too busy. Jesus, you just don't understand how much our child has to play, I don't know, Soccer, baseball, whatever. Because Jesus, this is the way our child's going to get a scholarship, which odds are, no, you probably won't. But the culture tells me I have to do that. I mean, just look at my calendar, Jesus. I'm just trying to keep up with the culture. I, I, we, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't. I, I, we shouldn't. I mean, and I can't be of any real help to Jesus in the world. Or finally, what we say is, we won't. And the, the one thing I will say about this, all respect, if you're in that place, is, good on you for the honesty to just be just brutally honest with Jesus like nope not not me and we say we won't because we bluntly tell him that because go so go to somebody else because I'm just too afraid go to someone else because look I'll just be honest Jesus I am just much more interested in the pursuits of what I can gain out of the broken world economy the broken world system or we say we won't because we just thought that the deal was that I say yes to following Jesus. I put my faith in him. And then he gives me like the laminated pass to get into the gated community of heaven when I die. And that, that's it. And I didn't know that the deal was it is that, but it's also that I'm supposed to take all of the resources of that heavenly gated community and I'm supposed to bring them and build them into the other side of the tracks, this world now. And that's what you want. And I'm, I, no, I'm out. I won't. And over all of that, we aren't, we can't, we shouldn't, we won't, is this new reality. Sociologist Corey Keyes, he's coined the term languishing, post-pandemic. I'll put it up on the screen. Languishing is the void between depression and flourishing. It's the absence of well-being. You don't have the symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples 
the odds you're going to cut back on work. So we're continuing this fall study, Come Follow Me. And what we're doing is, through the fall, right up until the Advent season, we're trying to study these very intimate conversations that Jesus was just having just with the 12 disciples. Not the public ones, just the intimate ones in the book of Matthew. And I think as we look at these and dive into these conversations, there's something that will deepen our um, apprenticeship to Jesus. So make sure you got your thumb there in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, as we get into this. And what we read there in the text is that Jesus is continuing to do his ministry with the 12 disciples. Essentially, the whole time up to this moment, they're just shadowing him. By shadowing, they're watching. Watching, watching, watching. From Matthew chapter 4, which we studied last week, and Jesus' call to, in the first intimate conversation we encounter, come follow me. From that moment, these, have, these guys have been shadowing Jesus as he adds more to the, the equation, more people, up to 12 disciples, where they've experienced significant public moments with other groups of people, different sizes. And just to kind of give an overview of it, in chapter 4, from the moment he says, come follow me, they saw Jesus, they shadowed him as he healed the sick, and he preached the good news of the dawning of the kingdom in the local synagogues. And then, chapter 5 and 6 and 7, they got to hear him preach the best sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. That was, like, so profoundly memorable that they heard it, and they could remember it, and all of them piece it together after years later he had died and been buried and rose again and ascended back into heaven. They could re-record it in the book of Matthew and Luke. They, 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 were, they were just shadowing and hearing and watching the greatest sermon ever, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew chapter 8, they got to shadow more public healings of the sick. They got to shadow him as he and watch him calm a storm. They got to see him restore two demon-harassed men. Chapter 9, before we get to this part of the text, verse 35, he was healing and forgiving a paralyzed man and then raising a dead girl back to life. All this stuff. And now Jesus pulls these 12 together into a more very intimate huddle. And in this huddle, the very first thing that Jesus does is heighten their awareness, which is something Jesus needs to do for me all the time. Jesus sees the full reality of the need that's surrounding them. Because we read in verse 36, if you glance at it, it tells us that Jesus paused and he looked around at the crowd and he could see how harassed, it's a great word, they were by life. And how helpless they were to do anything about the level of their harassment. And it says when he saw that, he had compassion on them. And I love the word. It's the Greek word splach, nidzomai, which you could almost spit on your neighbor if you try to say the word. And it's a word, and I love how Hebrew and Greek both does this. They do such a good job of grasping deep emotional realities by tying together psychological and physiological. Splach, nidzomai is talking about your guts. It's, it's kind of that deep feeling, right, that we have. You actually feel it physically when you are moved to compassion. Jesus felt that. And then Jesus helped the 12 who did not see what he saw to begin to see what he saw by describing to them around them the opportunity that they weren't seeing. What did Jesus say? He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Meaning all around you, 
You're not seeing it, which by the way, in our lives, it doesn't look like there is one around us, right? They didn't see it. But Jesus says, ah, there's a harvest field all around you. It is plentiful. It is loaded with needy, harassed people longing for a life. But the great opportunity in the harvest field, it doesn't match the puny workforce. It doesn't match. And that's when Jesus asked these men who are untrained. And the only thing that Matthew's gospel tells us that they've been able to do in any capable way up until this moment was to shadow Jesus and just watch and watch and shadow and watch. That's all they, they were untrained and they just could shadow. And up at this point, Jesus says, I want you to do two things. First one he says is pray. Verse 38, he says, be bold to ask God, who is the one who has the full authority over this harvest, to send out the workers into the right fields. The, last, the least you can do is go, God, would you send out workers? But he also says this, participate. Pray, participate. He directs them out into the harvest field. And there's a lot going on in this part of participating. It says that he officially named them his disciples. I'll read the list again. Simon, who we most famously know as Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. And every single one of these 12 guys, in varying degrees, had re-engineered their lives around following Jesus which is what we were talking about last week. That's what it means to come follow Jesus. There is a level to which you have to re-engineer your life around followership, apprenticeship, studentship to Jesus. And they've done that. And then he says in this participation after he names them, he gave them his authority to do kingdom work and he sent them out with easy to remember participation instructions, if you will. Now, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't turn them into bullet points. I'm going to do that. But it's all in there in the text. The first one is this. Here's the first instruction. Simple instructions. Bring the word of hope and do the work of help. As you go out, I'm sending you, bring the word of hope. He says it this way. Preach that the kingdom of heaven is near and do the work of help. He says it this way. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive away demons. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to see that is as timeless from the moment he said that to those disciples as it is for us in this moment. And, and though the last 2,000 years of church history, through those 2,000 years, disciples, followers of Jesus Christ have done those things in a thousand different ways, depending on who the people were and where they lived and their context and their giftings, that is still a timeless thing that Jesus has asked his people to do. Bring the word of hope, do the work of help. And the second piece that he gave them, this is really interesting, is he gave them specific dimensions. Your scope of work at this moment. This is kind of surprise you. He says, don't go to them. Just go to these folks right now. He gives them dimensions that was specific for that moment in salvation history. He says to them, focus on the lost sheep of Israel and not the Gentiles and the Samaritans hinted at in scripture yet because clearly they go into the Samaritans and he talks to a Samaritan woman and stuff. He says, for this moment right now, I want you to focus on these people. 
And in verse 11 through 16, you can read it later, he gives even more specific dimensions for that season. These dimensions, by the way, they're not timeless for us. Jesus isn't still saying, don't talk to Samaritans or Gentiles, of which most of us in this room are Gentiles. But here's the thing I will say. The post-Pentecost spirit of Jesus Christ, which is synonymous in Scripture with the Holy Spirit, is also always giving Jesus' disciples specific dimensions for a disciple's mission in their specific time to know what is not my responsibility and what is my responsibility. And so after the call to follow me comes the direction to work with Jesus in the renewal. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this never flags in your life. So here's Jesus' deepening call to discipleship. Pray for more workers and be a worker. Pray for more and be one. Now, I will say this. Look, Jesus totally understood the disciples, um, what would we call it? Like their worker readiness profile. He understood their readiness profile. Just like he looks at you and he looks at me and he looks at our readiness profile. He knew that the 12 disciples, they were untrained. Most of them overlooked in all the rabbinical schools. Um, They would have been in the rabbinical schools and not following Jesus had they been the cream of the crop in their culture. They were untrained and that they in themselves had good reasons to think we aren't enough and we shouldn't be the ones that you're sending out. Just as Jesus looks at our lives and he understands you're untrained. You're totally untrained. I'm totally untrained, even though I've got some training for the totality of what he's going to ask you to do. We're untrained to the work. And he understands why you're going to immediately want to think, well, I can't, I shouldn't. He knew that these disciples, all they knew what to do was to shadow Jesus, watch him up until that moment. And that they had good reasons to think, well, we, can't, we can't do that kind of thing. Just as he looks at us and he understands that so many of us have spent so much of our lives, we can shadow Jesus. We can watch him do his thing. Often through the paid professionals, the people paid to be good for Jesus, we'll shadow him. And he knows that's all we've done just so that we can get some helpful experiences from him and get a couple of good words from him. And so out of that conclude that we think, I can't, we can't do more. Jesus understands that. And Jesus understood that the 12 disciples were languishing. You want to know how they were languishing? Under the extreme pressures of a Roman military rule that if you cross Rome, they'll kill you. And that they were languishing under a harsh economy in the first century. And that they were languishing under the constant threat of violent revolution. Which meant that if anybody rose up, it was a possibility that Rome was going to scrunch Israel. Which in fact did happen in 70 AD. He knew they were languishing. And he understands that we're languishing. In the aftermath of a pandemic. High inflation. Climate change. A war in Ukraine. A little, little man threatening to throw nukes into the equation. And the uncertainty of how the next election is going to go. He knows we're languishing. Jesus understands with compassion all of it. And yet, Jesus brought us into this huddle. We're in a huddle right now. He brought us into this huddle in this moment. And he called 
as he's calling us in every season to pray. At a minimum, on a daily basis, even in the fleeting moment you're parking your car to go, oh yeah, God, would you raise up a worker or two? Oh, and while you're at it, can you help me overcome my reluctance? Pray. And to participate. To be actively engaged in the work of renewing the world and renewing broken people. Now I will say about this participation thing, I think part of the part of the struggle that we have is the biblical track for participating in the renewal of all things is not the Christendom, cultural Christendom track progression for how to get involved. Here's what I mean. The Christendom, cultural Christendom track is this progression. Believe in Jesus, come to faith in Jesus, and then you spend a lot of time, you mature, and then you'll be trusted to serve. And so in this middle phase of mature, it's like you go to classes, and then you go to more classes, and you hear another sermon, and then you get more data, and you go to a camp, and then a conference, and then you get more training, and more equipping, and more, you know, I'm an INTJ, and more of a, whatever the wings thing is now, whatever, just personality stuff, and you do all mature, mature, mature for years before you're trusted to do any service. That cultural Christendom track, that is not the biblical track. If you look at the New Testament, the the New Testament biblical progression is not believe, mature, serve. It's believe, serve, and then you're going to grow. It's being sent out. You, You know some things. You know a modicum of things. You know enough of things, and you get out there, and you get your head beat against the wall in real life, and you need Jesus, and you need the Holy Spirit to show up, and you serve, and you grow, baby. You grow. And so I think that's part of the struggle that some of us have. We're like, well, I haven't matured enough because our culture has told us you have to. No, scripture, believe, serve, mature. And in this progression, we take seriously with our lives the simple directions. Bring the word of hope, do the work of help. That in some way, we're in our lives, and it can be in greater and smaller degrees depending on the season, but we're describing the good news to people and we're delivering the ramifications of that good news with how we are living our lives, with our coworkers and our neighbors and our unsafe families and other people in our lives. We're constantly thinking through these simple instructions and we also take seriously the specific dimensions, the scope of the work for me in my life in this moment. We have listened to the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will take this and take this seriously. Listen to the Holy Spirit. How the Spirit is providing clarity about what we, with our particular, not Andy's, not that person's, my time, my talent, my treasures, that we have been asked to do and not to do. So here's the thing. Matthew doesn't tell us like the inner thoughts of the 12 disciples as they took in and processed this like sudden turn I mean, think about how sudden this is. Like, they've been spending from chapter 4 to chapter 9 just shadowing Jesus, and that felt pretty good. Like, I can do that. I'll re-engineer my life around watching and following and shadowing. And then to, to process this sudden turn to have be given significant work and to be trusted with it. But we got to remember this. Look, these guys in the New Testament, they were not like Marvel superheroes with, like, superhero faith, and we can't relate. They were real human beings 
who had to have had their own unique processes and thoughts, something like, we aren't, we shouldn't, we can't. But they didn't say we won't. And I think the way they overcame their misgivings and fears that they had to have had as normal people was they just made this decision, okay, we'll just do the next right thing. I'll just, uh, I'm not going to get overwhelmed about where this all could go. What this, just, what's the next right thing? And I don't think I'm being too wild in my imagination to think it may have gone something like this for them. Okay, Jesus said, this is a little weird. He's entrusting us to do this. But he said, just pack light for the trip. Don't pack heavily for this trip. Okay, I can do that. I'll, I'll do that. I'll pack light. And then uh, Jesus asked us to go to the people in our neighborhoods. Same language, same cultural experiences in the region around Galilee, which I know so well. Okay, I can do that. And then Jesus asked us to seek people and, and, and villages and places where people of peace, they were willing to talk with us and work with us. Okay, I, I can do that. I can do that. And on and on, each next right thing was done with the result that they didn't tell Jesus we can't, we won't. See, Jesus' deepening call to discipleship, it asks us to pray for workers and be a worker. And I think the appeal this morning is for this. Act on the next right thing today for you. What's the next right thing with that, with that appeal from Jesus? There is a great commission that our most high king, Jesus Christ, gives in this same book we're studying, Matthew chapter 28, many of you know it, which is go into all the world and make disciples. And we, we rise up, but also when we think about our particular participation in that, it can feel so big and so daunting. And in fact, even Faith Community Church's mission, our particular mission, which says we are all about making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Santa Cruz, that can feel daunting. So in the big picture, these things can feel so big that they feel so daunting, which leaves us so holding back. But if we break down the reality of how walking with Jesus actually works, and we act on the next right thing, and then the next right thing, we don't end up as a we can't or we won't follower of Jesus. You can right now listen to what the Spirit of Jesus Christ is leading you to pray for the harvest and in every moment of your life throughout the week. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a shoot that shoot it up into the sky arrow prayer, pray. You can listen to the Holy Spirit right now and you can hear the simple instruction of how for you is the next right thing to bring the word of hope and do the work of help in the way that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you to manifest your gifts and your time and your talent and your treasures. You can listen to the Holy Spirit right now and you can hear the beginning shape of the specific dimensions, the scope of your work for your life in this season. And seasons do change, but this is the one you're in right now. You can't go back to the past and you can't leapfrog to the future. You're here in the present. What's the dimension where we learn how to say no because those things are for other people or maybe for you, but at another time and not this time where you learn from the Spirit to say no and then where to say yes as your whole self. 
holding nothing back within those dimensions. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I love that other than Rodney being older than the rest of them, it's a youth band, but I will count Rodney as youth. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Rodney's young at heart for sure. I will say this as they're getting set to lead us in music. When Faith Community Church started 16 years ago, a missionary, I think he was an Eastern European missionary who had served in mission field during the Cold War, he slid across my desk this thing called the Prayer of Sir Francis Drake. You can look it up online. It's much longer. And we loved it so much, we've got it framed up in our office. But here's what the the thing says. It says, Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, and where losing sight of land we shall find stars. The picture I want to leave with you is you're thinking through your next right thing. Is that the 12 disciples had that kind of experience. We're stepping out and doing the next right thing. They saw stars. And the other gospel accounts tell us that when they did go out, they came back so overjoyed and excited about what their whole experience was. Probably went out knees quaking and came back like, this was amazing. What happened as we went out? And that, those two things, are that's the picture I want you to have, as you think about your life, and Jesus' call to follow in your life, it is a picture of shoving out out on wider seas. You're going to see stars. And you're going to have those encounters in your life where you're going to come back to Jesus and go, high five, dude. That was amazing what just happened because you used little old me. Jesus asks us, pray for the workers. Be a worker. So right now, the Spirit's speaking. I know that. Let's act. By the end of today, start making movements towards acting on the next right thing in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you that every single one of us here and everyone who's watching online or who will listen to this podcast, we know about Jesus. And we have experienced renewal in our lives because down through history, a series of chains of people did go out. They did pray for workers and they were willing to be a worker with the result that a person was used by your spirit to reach out to us and to pray with us and then invest in us. Lord, help that not to stop in our lives. May that spread through us. And may you overcome our fear. May you overcome our reluctance. And may you make this body of people vital in that mission. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.